This message is brought to you by Cornerstone Gospel Church in Frankston, Australia. We want to have a look at this thought of living by faith, how to know you're living by faith. And this is still uh, following on from the uh, you know messages that we've been doing, and you'll see the tie-in as we go through the message, how to know we are living by faith. Everybody lives by faith, and there is one essential difference between the believer and the un- unbeliever, and that is the object of one's faith. That's the essential difference. Um, you know, the, the unsaved person trusts in himself, uh, trusts in other uh, humans, uh, trusts in human uh, ideologies, uh, these kinds of things. Um, the Believer, of course, trusts God, trusts in uh, in the Word of God, and and that is their foundation of faith. It's your faith in God that is the um, real uh, and genuine, non-secretive secret to uh, victory in in the Christian life and in ministry. So, um, if you if you doubt that God honors Faith, then I would urge you to read Hebrews chapter 11 and, and be stirred, be encouraged by all that is said uh, within that, within that uh, chapter. Um, it, it's a, a powerful chapter um, that brings a, a great deal of uh, revelation and understanding uh, to the Christian life. So yeah, I'm just going to make a couple of quick adjustments here and um, um, see if that improves things at all not really okay so forget that um, now in fact one of the um, greatest problems God has with his children is either the developing or um, uh, uh, the developing of their faith or disobedience um, in their faith, you know. And, uh, you know, so Satan knows this and he, he will attack believers um, as a consequence, you know, because he understands that this is the, this is the area that they uh, vulnerable, or one area that they're vulnerable and and can be rendered ineffective by by assaulting them in their faith in God. So Paul's words uh, to the young Christians in Thessalonica are a great illustration of this point for us. So let's uh, turn this morning to First Thessalonians chapter three. First Thessalonians chapter three and beginning at verse 1. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, or when we could endure it no longer, we thought it best to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no one would be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this. So Paul is 
obviously recognising that it is possible that when people face persecution or affliction uh, or suffering, that it can assault their faith. And then he says, remember, this is we, we talked about this. You, you know that this is part of the destiny that, uh, of believers. Verse 4, for indeed, when we were with you, we kept telling you in advance that we were going to suffer affliction. And so it came to pass, as you know. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I also sent to find out about your faith, for fear that the tempter might have tempted you and our labour would be in vain. And so you can see that Paul is really concerned uh, in this text as to the impact that Satan might have on their their faith and their service. Um, And so it's a really, uh, a really, pertinent point to us as believers that the enemy uh, seeks to uh, interrupt, to to damage our faith. Let's continue. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, so they sent Timothy uh, to the church in Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica and he came back. Now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we long to see you. For this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, we were comforted about you through your faith. For now, we really live if you stand firm in the Lord. So this is a, a wonderful text. Let's just pray that the Lord would, uh, would, would bless this uh, to our hearts and minds now this morning as we go on into the message. Our Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for Paul's writings, and we thank you especially for uh, the letter to the Thessalonian church, and we praise you for this lesson that it brings us in uh, faith and in living by faith. We ask you this morning that you would give us a a wisdom concerning the enemy's assaults against us and that you would strengthen us in learning to live by faith so that we can glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, it's a very exciting passage, uh, this particular passage, and... um, so we want to just continue, though, and, and let's look at this idea. Um, we are talking about living by faith, living by faith. And so as we consider this this morning, um, there are some tests that we can a- a- apply to our lives, um, and these tests are there, they they. We, we can apply them to how we live the Christian life to answer the question, am I living by faith? And so the first test would be, um, is this decision to glorify God or to please myself? This would be the first test. So if I'm living by faith, is this decision, this action, this purpose that I'm committing to, is it something that glorifies God or is it purely to please myself? Now, in Romans 4, verse 20, and I'll put the other verses relating to this point uh, straight in there, but 
but I'll come to those in just a moment. So there's a little toing and froing uh, from that first line there uh, of Romans 4. Um, but in Romans 4, verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he, meaning Abraham, did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So Abraham and Sarah were both well past the age of having children, and yet God promised them a son. Now, F.B. Meyer has said you never really trust God until you trust him to do the impossible. And, and um, you know, so when, you, when you're living the Christian life, you often see God intervene or you see him uh, do something in your life. But it's when God does the impossible that you believed him for uh, doing that, that then you know, you know that your faith is being lived. So um, Luke 1, verse 37, for nothing, for nothing, no thing, nothing will be impossible with God. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 26, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So there is a, a great contrast between what God can do and what man can do. Nothing is impossible with God. With men, this is impossible, meaning that not everything is possible and this particular thing is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So Abraham and Sarah bearing a child, this was impossible apart from God. And, uh, you know, it was not Abraham's faith in faith that wrought a miracle. It was his faith in God that wrought the miracle. The world's shallow philosophy is have faith, but they never define have faith in what? Have faith. Um, they might say have faith in yourself. Um, now, that's a, a, a never-ending cycle of defeat to have faith in yourself because the reason you may be struggling with faith and confidence is because of the ineffectiveness of self. So, but this is the world's philosophy. Have faith. And it's, you know, it's foolish and it's ineffective because it doesn't answer the question faith in what? Certainly not faith in faith itself um, because that is redundant. Um, but Abraham and Sarah, they trusted God and God performed what he had promised um, because he knew God. Abraham was fully assured that what God had promised he would accomplish. Um, and this is shown to us in Romans 4, uh, verse 21, as listed there um, in the, the, the texts. So it's important to notice Abraham's motive in all of this, though, that if you, if you go to, um, and sorry about the constant scratching and itching, I'm having a, a real struggle with eczema. And um, it's driving me nuts. Um, so, but he gave glory to God. And this was his motivation, was to glorify God. Faith always gives glory to God. And so this is our first test. Is this to glorify God or is it to please me or glorify me? Faith always gives glory to God. Why, why is that? Why does faith always give glory to God? And that's because faith confesses that man is unable 
That's what faith does, is that it is simply a statement that I am unable to do this, and so I have to proceed to the one who can, and that is God. And, um, and so this is what faith does, is it moves us outside of trusting self, trusting the, wo- the world around us, um, because we're unable to accomplish uh, anything, to trusting God, because he is the only one that can accomplish it. So Abraham and Sarah were as good as dead physically when they trusted God for their offspring. And, um, you know, this brought glory to God. So test number one, when you are about to make a decision, take, you know, when, when, you're, when you're going to make a, a step out in some way in Christian ministry or, or in, in life, ask yourself, Am I doing this for the glory of God or is this for me? Um, If there's any indication in your heart that this is for self-glory, then stop and wait on God. This is really important because oftentimes if we will give pause uh, to the situation and if we will spend time just before God in prayer, uh, maybe going to God in fasting as well, that oftentimes the answer will become clear to us concerning the situation and we will see that we're not seeking to um, glorify God, but we were seeking for some personal motivation in this. True faith is motivated by a desire to glorify God. Well, let's move on. What's the second test? So the the second test is, is this an impetuous decision or can I wait? Is this an impetuous decision or can I wait? We have already learned that Faith and patience always go together. You can go back over previous lessons about that. Romans 10 verse 11, for the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. The the quotation is from Isaiah 28 verse 16. Behold, I lay in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. The, the phrase there, disturbed, literally means to be in a hurry. So the, the Christian who waits on God and waits on God's leading and waits on God's working is not going to be disappointed or ashamed because they rushed ahead of God and then it turned out to be not a decision made in faith, but turned out instead to be a decision made in the flesh. So this is really important for us because true faith is not in a hurry. And, you know, when I was young, I was really impatient. And now that I'm older, I'm just impatient. Um, But, you know, true faith is not in a hurry. True faith will allow God to open the way. True faith will rest in God concerning the calling on a person's life and wait for God to open up the right timing for that. And so we might feel a calling 
toward ministry, toward pastoring or, or mission work. And the next thing then is not to run hastily ahead, but to wait on God for the right timing for that. And um, if we find ourselves just racing, racing ahead, we will find ourselves uh, disappointed because we will act in unbelief instead of faith. We will act in the flesh instead of uh, in the spirit. So true faith is not rushed, nor anxious, nor impatient. And um, this is really important. So the test number two is this an impetuous decision or can I wait? And if it is an impetuous decision, you must wait. Um, so the question is poorly worded. That's my fault. Because really it could be turned into a statement. If this is an impetuous decision, I must wait. And that's an important thing. Waiting on God is going to change our perspective, not just waiting, but waiting on God, going to God in prayer and faith, trusting God, that will direct our decisions uh, by doing that. So um, thirdly, this morning, does my action have a biblical defence? True faith is always grounded in the word of God. Um, Romans 10 verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know this pertains to uh, salvation regarding uh, faith uh, that is produced in the human heart. Now, this, this comes back to an issue, a theological issue, uh, and it's a, it's a little bit disturbing that such a simple and straightforward issue has to be confused into uh, so many different directions. But biblically, saving faith is not a mysterious thing that comes out of the God's ether and just lands in the human heart. Saving faith is a response to the gospel message properly presented, that the gospel message has within it, as Paul says, a life-giving power, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And, um, and so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So all actions that are contrary to the word of God are not of faith. No matter how people want to justify them, any actions that are contrary to God's word, then they are not of faith. That's simple. Um, and no matter how reasonable our actions may seem, um, if it contradicts the word of God, it's not of faith. The Bible gives precepts to obey. It gives promises to uh, walk in and principles to observe. But if we violate any of these, then we're, we are acting in unbelief. We're acting in self-assurance. We're acting in personal um, uh, confidence not in faith. Now, friends um, may encourage us and favourable circumstances may seem to favour us, but these things are not evidence of faith. 
oh, I had 14 friends tell me to do this. Well, what did Job's friends tell him to do? This is not the evidence of faith um, because it may simply be the evidence of a wrong teaching. You know, the circumstances um, caused Jonah to find a ship, trying to escape, uh, and a ship was waiting for him. But it wasn't the will of God in that sense. So if we're, if we're um, disobeying the word of God, we are not acting in faith. And this means that God cannot bless us in those actions uh, because we haven't set as our primary purpose the glory of God. So this is really important. So this third point, does my action have a biblical defence? Now, then fourthly, do I have joy and peace about this decision? Now, I I do dread to go in this direction a little bit because uh, people often feign this. They will come to you, oh, yes, but, Pastor, I had real peace about it. I'm so confused now. And I've heard people say to me, um, look, I married this unbeliever because having prayed, I really had peace about it, Um, these kinds of things. So... I know that many of the uh, times in which I've made wrong decisions about business and various different things, um, I have in those, sometimes in those situations I've known there's been an absence of peace, but uh, I haven't sought the Lord in it because I didn't want further conviction about it. Do I have, now that's a terrible admission, uh, you can admit something you've done in your life um, in the conversation, if you like, um, because I'm not the only one. I share that with you just to to let you know this is how corrupt our our decision-making can be at times. So joy and peace are sometimes subjective, and but there is a joy and a peace that is a product of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you all, uh, fill you with all joy and and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So where there is true faith, the Holy Spirit is at work. And the Holy Spirit equips the believer with hope, joy, and peace. I, this, is, this is a really wonderful Um, promise of Scripture that the Holy Spirit would fill you with hope, joy, and peace. And in the times in which we're living right now, you know, um, Christians are freaking out about the uh, circumstances of the society that we're living in. But at some point we have to trust God, that God is in control of the circumstances that we are facing. And so... You know, according to Romans 15, verse 13, Paul's prayer for the church is that God would fill them uh, with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So having peace in your heart and having joy in your heart is one evidence that you are in the will of God. And this is really important because 
you may have a confidence in the direction that God is sending your life, even though everyone around you might say you're crazy, that's insane. But because you know that God is directing you in that direction and because you have sought him and he has, the God of hope has filled your heart with joy and peace by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are able to walk forward in that decision knowing that it is blessed by God. Colossians 3 verse 15 listed, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And I would urge you to have a look at how many times Paul talks about peace in one's life because it is something he talks about often. Now, this is an interesting phrase in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule literally means to be the umpire of your hearts. Now, the Greek word, according to Vine's Dictionary, is brabeu, or, or brabeu, something like that, uh, to act as an umpire, to arbitrate or decide, uh, rule, in Colossians 3.15, to rule, representing the peace of Christ as deciding all matters in the hearts of believers. Some regard the meaning as that of simply directing, controlling, or ruling. So letting the peace of God help the believer in making a decision. What a, what a powerful idea this is because I tell you, beloved, in the age in which we're in right now, Peace is something that is desperately missing in our community and in our world. And yet Paul says for the believer, we should be able to head in, in directions of life that might seem totally contrary to the directions that people are suggesting and all of these things. But we can do that having a peace from God, knowing that God is directing our steps, knowing that God is the one who is in control and, and he's directing us. So now the reverse may therefore be a very powerful indicator, as is often the prayer. I think it's a wise prayer that, that God would close the door for us. Um, when you lose God's peace, you know you have to, you know, you've got to reconsider the current course of action and the decisions that you're making uh, at that point in life, you, you've probably detoured from the will of God when there is an absence of joy and peace uh, in, in the decision that you're making. So it's in this area um, that Christians have to learn to distinguish between emotions and the work of God. An enthusiasm about something or an excitement about something is not necessarily hope, joy, and peace. Um, God never denies our emotions, but he certainly, you know, and he can use them to accomplish his purposes. But often as we step out in faith, um, we experience human fear and human anxiety, and these should not be the guide, guiding steps. Oh, I was going this direction, but I felt fear and anxiety, and so I figured that it was God saying, no, don't go this way. If we are walking by faith, um, fear will be overcome by joy and peace. So it's not the absence of fear. 
in the situation, but it will be overcome by joy and peace as we walk by faith. And this is a work of the Spirit of God in response to our faith in God's Word. Um, and this is, you know, this is really important. So an Old Testament illustration, uh, God promised Abraham and Sarah a child, but the child didn't come, and so as they waited, Sarah became impatient. She decided to, you know, to let's, let's help God along here um, by having her, um, having Abraham marry uh, her handmaid. Now, in the culture of the times, this was a legal decision, but it wasn't a step of faith, and Abraham fell in with this scheme, and the result was disastrous. So do I have joy and peace about this decision? So we have these four areas. Is this to glorify God or please self? Is this an impetuous decision or can I wait? Does this affect, um, or does this action have a biblical defence? And do I have joy and peace about this decision? Well, let's move on to a little bit of application about this. Um, I just mentioned Abraham and Sarah. So if we want to apply these four tests, Abraham's union with Hagar did not glorify God. So that's the first question. Does this glorify God? So his, his union with Hagar was not for the intention to glorify God. It was for an intention to get a son. And he married her. He, he accomplished this union to please his wife. Um, so, you know, that somehow they could help God uh, fulfill his promise. Were they willing to wait? Um, they ran ahead of God and they made a mess. Um, that's the whole problem. Was there a biblical basis? No, because the word of God was very clear that God was going to provide for them an heir by faith. And um, so there was no biblical uh, um, direction for this. The word of God had not spoken. God had not spoken to them and, and given them a direction on this. Um, so. Um, then finally, was there joy and peace? Well, rather than joy and peace, uh, there has been the result of misery, war, um, you know, enmity, all kinds of things down through history. So Hagar fought with Sarah. Um, Sarah blamed Abraham. Um, you know, Abraham reasoned with Sarah. God had to step in and straighten things out, um, and they're still suffering as a result. So this is a practical situation that illustrates the importance of walking by faith. Was God glorified or was the glory of God paramount? Um, did Abraham and Sarah, uh, um, were they patient to wait upon God? Um, was this in line with the word and the promises of God? And was there joy and peace in this? A New Testament illustration might be Paul uh, being taken to Rome for trial and he was on board a ship with many other people and it arrived at Fair Havens 
And at that point, Paul was warned by God that they were going to sail into disaster and destruction, so he let the centurion know about this um, and that they shouldn't set sail. Um, and so, you know, Julius decided to set sail, and just as Paul had predicted, the ship was uh, shipwrecked, and only by the grace of God um, the passengers' lives were saved. So the four decisions there, the, the four tests, um, did Julius seek to glorify God? No, he didn't. In fact, it's likely he wasn't even a believer uh, or concerned about God's glory, um, but he was interested in finishing the task and getting the prisoners safely to Rome. That would have looked good for him as quickly as possible. Was he willing to wait? Obviously he wasn't, um, and uh, he was already in a rush because time had already passed and he was going to be late arriving in Rome. Did he base his decision on God's word? No, he rejected the insight that Paul gave him by a prophetic vision, and um, he was more persuaded by the pilot that things were going to be good. And um, was there joy and peace? No, instead they came into a violent wind and um, they were destroyed. So the you, you can see that these four tests kind of mirror to the four examples that we've had um, in our series um, so far. So let's have a look at that um, because we can see that these tests demonstrate to us that Satan has a strategy in all of this. So in the first one, or in the, which was our second or third one, the second one, I think, David numbered the people for his own glory, not for God's glory. And he was trying to see the strength of his own kingdom, um, which was, you know, that's, that was stemming out of his own pride. And um, so humility will cause us to put aside our pride and seek the glory of God. Um, Job was tempted to become impatient with God, tempted to, and but a willingness to wait on God is the evidence of faith. So impatience is in itself a... Um, an action of unbelief. Eve disobeyed the word of God in eating from the tree. Um, true faith is always based on the word of God. And then finally, um, Joshua. Now, making a little inference into this, it's possible that Joshua there standing before God um, in, his, uh, in the dirty robes that he was wearing, uh, the filthy garments, you know, he was probably feeling some degree of an absence of peace uh, there. I don't want to read too much into that. But God brought a remedy and God clothed him in stately robes. And uh, true faith brings peace, joy, you know, and hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So... Joshua did receive God's supply in his plight. And so um, in your decisions, a, a decision to walk in obedience to God is going to be met with God providing joy and peace for you. True faith brings joy and peace through the Holy Spirit. So 
I want to close with um, a last couple of thoughts here. We must be careful in the Christian life to use the defences that God has given us. Um, you do not need an Anthony Robbins self-help course to live the successful Christian life. Um, you don't need that. We have to be careful to use the defences God has given us. This is really important for us. If we seek to glorify God, if we wait patiently on God, if we follow the word of God, and if we enjoy God's peace and joy within in the situation, no matter how difficult and challenging it may seem, then we can be sure that we are living by faith and defeating Satan. I have seen way too many and even made too many uh, decisions in my own life and seen them in other people's lives uh, that were not decisions made living by faith. They weren't decisions made to glorify God. They weren't decisions made while patiently waiting on God um, or following the word of God or decisions made uh, with that sense of God's peace and joy within. So this is the essence of the living by faith. Um, it's much more practical and demystified than people often, often think and especially often speak about. People will often uh, say very mysterious things about living by faith. And yet there is a really practical element to living by faith. And you can be sure that you are living by faith and thus defeating the enemy when you seek to glorify God, seek to wait patiently on God, seek to follow the word of God and experiencing God's peace and joy within and then moving ahead. And in that, you will know that you are moving ahead fully in the will of God and living by faith. Amen. Um, that's about all that I have for you um, here this morning on this. And uh, I really, um, I enjoy putting this message together and uh, I enjoy the thought of it. Um, I hope that it is a message that will stir you encourage you, um, give you some strength and guidance in your life, uh, that, that would be uh, really, really great. Um, you know, if, if that's the case, then leave some comments in the discussion, either on Facebook or on YouTube, um, get in one of the, the discussion streams there and, and share it and talk about, talk about it with each other. So, um, and I think during this time, uh, with the lockdowns and everything, living by faith is a really important element of the Christian life. Uh, you and I need to learn this really personally. So, praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. 
you're welcome to duplicate this message in its entirety for non-profit purposes. For more information and resources, visit cgc.org.au.